Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends. Episode 73. Yes, that's the seven and a three next to each other. Uh, episode 73 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm Gary, and I'm here with Byron. How are you doing today, Byron? Gary, I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Happy to bring the second half of the Steve Maxwell interview to our listeners. Definitely going to be uh, part two. Uh, part two is going to be a great episode, so stick around and uh, listen to some more words of wisdom from Steve Maxwell. Yeah, if you just stumbled upon this episode, uh, you could listen to it, no problem. Uh, it also wouldn't hurt to go back and, and check out the last, uh, kind of where I left off. So it's... It, it, man, it was wonderful talking to Steve Maxwell. Yeah, like I said, well, like we said last week, he's uh, you know a, a legend. He's been around forever, um, big time jujitsu guy, big time kettlebell person, and then like you said, just listen to him talk about being a minimalist and his philosophies on life and, and other things. There, he's a uh, very knowledgeable person. We can learn a lot from him. Absolutely, it's I mean it's just. Yeah, he's got all this knowledge of jujitsu and and health and fitness, but he's just an interesting guy to talk to. I mean, you, you can't have a better mix, you know. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Gary, how was your week, buddy? It was a good week, very good week. How about yours? It was good. Finally broke that uh, terrible weather we've been having, and we got some nice t- nice temperatures up in here finally. Boy, I tell you, I was I was out all day today, uh, all day yesterday. So I'm loving loving the weather right now. Well, good. By out, you mean playing around in the in the in the outside, huh? Playing Great around outdoors. outside, definitely. And speaking of uh, playing around, how's your back doing? Uh, much better, much better. I've been doing some uh, different stretches. I feel like I like I kind of missed the boat on on back stretches for a while. You know, to stretch my back, I would I do like a twisting motion. Uh-huh. And that's about it. That's how I stretch my back. But it also bends like forward and backwards a little bit. And I really don't have much flexibility in my back in those forward and backwards motions, especially like in the uh, kind of the upper half of my back. Yeah. It's it's really pretty stiff. So I've been working that. I've been using my foam roller. Uh, that's what I was going to ask. Flexibility. I, yeah, I've, I've had great results with the foam roller and, and it's made a – Especially on my back, it's it's made a big difference in my back and my hamstrings. Yeah, it, I think I had a, uh, a bulging disc, herniated some one of my discs, and my lower back was was acting up because it, my lower back has to do too much work, you know, flexing when my upper back does not want to help out. So if I get my upper back to be a little more flexible, I'll be in better. Uh, I'll be in business. There you go. So, That's what counts. I've been able to roll with it. It's not been a big deal, but I do wake up and it's a little stiff. But this morning yeah, was my best morning yet. When you're 53, you'll be looking like the hunchback in Notre Dame. I hope not, but there's a <laughs> <laughs> hope I can steer clear of that. <laughs> Got a few years to go still. We'll see. Let's hope so. Yep. Um, Gary, we've yes. got uh, some good news about our email list uh, slash audiobook stuff. Are we up to 10? No, we we were up to three for a little while. It kind of leveled off there, and I put two more in there. Um, Sweet. What, what I'm working on here is a way to kind of help uh, the podcast uh, hopefully break even someday. 
Um, oh yeah, there are some expenses that that are incurred with this podcast. So um, I'm going to make an audio book that's going to eventually be for sale. It's called awesome. It's called Your First Year of BJJ. Just to kind of get get you going, kind of the basics. And while I'm making it, I'm going to put the chapters up in our uh, Dropbox folder for the people who are on the email list. They could check them out for free and uh, and kind of let me know what they think. So if you want to get on that list, uh, you can go to the Facebook page or go to our website, bjbrick.com, and there's a little place to put your email address in there, and we'll send out your email. It looks like we're doing it every Tuesday, sending out an email. And at the bottom of the email, it'll have a link to the uh, – Dropbox folder with the audiobooks. There's five in there now. And the ones I just put in there, I put chapter one, finding the right gym for you. And that's during your first year of BJJ. And I did chapter three, uh, benefits of BJJ. I'm working, I'm editing chapter two now. So it's looking like it'll be like maybe a nine or 10 chapter little audiobook. Not super long, but a way that, that some of the fans could help support the podcast if they want to. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. And, and I love the way you're doing it. You don't just go chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. <laughs> you go chapter one, chapter three, chapter two. That's the way to do it. You're original. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Chapter two, um, I got it all written down. Chapter two was your first month in BJJ, and that's kind of a long one. Uh, I'm working on that. So I kind of did the first two shorter ones, and then I'm going back to the second one. But there's, I've got you know eight or nine different chapters I want to put on this thing, it looks like now. And, and you know, I don't know if we'll ever – like. If you want the book, I'll probably send it to you. But at one point in time, it'll be available to, to download for for a certain price, and that price will go to help us out. So. Yeah, that's awesome. But right now it's free. Just get on the email list, and, and you'll get access to that pretty easy. So definitely check that out. Get on the email list and uh, get your name in there and, and get one get it every Tuesday. Gary, uh, the quote of the week, man. So We've got a quote of the week from a real <laughs> – Important person, very important person. <laughs> well, this is a VIP squared. Yeah, a square. Anyway, um, typically we, we'll get like the quote from the last week's interview, and we'll you know put that in the next week's uh, podcast. But last week was the same as this week as Steve Maxwell, and he did you know uh, interview went long, and we didn't get a quote from him, let alone two. So uh, I'm looking online. I'm trying to figure out a quote about. Uh, about work and versus output, you know, and, and kind of find something about um, that we could talk about. I can't find anything good, so uh, I'm I'm typing in different phrases in Google, trying to find something that helps out. I can't find anything, and I eventually just kind of wrote wrote one, and uh, I, it feels well, since, weird. Yeah, since you wrote it, let's have you say it. Okay, here Is we it, are for the quote of the week, episode seventy three. Episode seventy three, quote of the week. Don't measure the work, measure the change, and use that to evaluate your work. And to be honest, I think that's awesome. Uh, Byron had had, uh, told me or said it to me before we started, and it's one of the things I always talk about. And it's funny because we really didn't even talk about the topic or anything. So when he said it, I was like, man, that's, that's great. But the big thing is, is... You know, measure the change, not the work. You know, who cares if you worked out six hours a day, every day? Are you working out properly? Are you drilling the correct stuff? Are you working out with a purpose? And really what matters is the results, the change. Yeah. And, you know, that's the end result. That's what we all do everything for, for the end result. And, you know, the, the old saying, work, work smarter, not harder. 
Yeah, that's and and I think it has great uh, application on the mat or any sport, and and also uh, like at a at a job at work. You know, you come in, you clock in, and you you get paid. But really, if you're measuring the change, that shows you how much you're able to do for that day. And then uh, look at what work you do that you do that gets you that change, and that's where you should be spending your time. Same thing on the mat. Yes, definitely. I know I've spent. It's hard to find those like the 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 good parts of your training that count for the most. But part of your training, like a few minutes, these these select minutes today, count way more than than ten times that uh, yesterday or, or earlier on in the day. So it's really try to figure out what makes the biggest change for you, and evaluate that and make that stronger. Yeah, and it. You, you'll see tremendous gains when you, like Byron said, when you're dialed in and know exactly what you need to be working on, how to do it, where to work on, and and all of a sudden everything will just jump through the roof. Your gains will go crazy. Your if you were talking about jujitsu, your your jujitsu would you would just be so much better on the mat. So uh, uh, you know, measure measure your your gains. Measure measure how you improve. Yep. Uh... So that's that's the quote. Don't measure the work, measure the change, and use that to evaluate your work. Uh, Gary, uh, I'm not going to put anything on you, but uh, I did come Uh-oh. up with a quote here. So next week, you know, uh, if you want to find something uh, a little better than what I cranked out, that'd be awesome. I don't think it's possible, but I'll try. <laughs> Make it like a rhyme or something, you know. Good thing is Google <laughs> is my friend. I'll just take credit for it. There you go. <laughs> well, I Googled this phrase and many is short, you know, chopped it up and I couldn't find anything that matched it. So I feel pretty safe about it. Uh, Gary, let's do the article of the week. We got a good one for you this week. Everybody's favorite uh, martial artist, Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. This uh, article was on jujitsubrotherhood.com and I'll put a link for it to that on the show notes for you. Make it easy to find. But this is four jujitsu lessons from Bruce Lee, and it's kind of crazy because Bruce Lee wasn't really a jujitsu guy, but he's a martial artist, and what he does can translate over to the art of jujitsu. Absolutely, the, let's just jump right into the first uh, lesson he had here: the value of cross training, and he would find uh, little things in other martial arts and and bring them over to a different martial art. And, and he was one of the first to really have see value in, in martial arts that, that he didn't practice necessarily and, and try to incorporate that into his, his style or no style or, you know, his what he was doing to see if it would work. Because the body movements uh, work and it's up to you to figure out how they work for you and get them to work into what you want to do. I really like, um, we talk about cross training, but if anybody watched the early UFCs, realized that there wasn't a lot of cross training back then and you know that was even after Bruce Lee and you would see a, a straight jiu-jitsu guy against a straight wrestler or a straight kickboxer who had absolutely no ground game getting taken down and just getting murdered on the ground and nowadays everybody's very skilled in every you know standing on the ground submissions it's a it's a different game out there today that cross training has has made a made a big difference yeah it's it it, it was interesting to see like this the strict arts of this is what i'm going to do but even like hoys had strikes he he was good at the strikes he did but there were guys that didn't didn't have a clue about the ground there were guys that didn't understand um 
massive parts of the of the game. You know, I always like the boxer with the with only one glove on. With the one glove. <laughs> he knew he knew he was going to need to be able to grapple, but he didn't really know uh, uh, how to deal with it. So. I'm just going to okay, wear one glove. trivia question, Byron. Who was that boxer? If I would have known, I would have said his name, man. <laughs> do, you, do you know who it is? Art Jimerson. Art Art Jimerson? Jimerson, yeah. Okay. Correct. Gary, I don't know how you do it, but your your mind is like a steel trap. Or your, <laughs> or your Google skills are fast. <laughs> no, I just used to be a UFC fanatic. That's that's why. You've probably um, seen that one, uh, one clip like a thousand times, huh? Yeah, yep. Uh, number two. Uh, the importance of conditioning and going back to early UFCs and everything we, we see how important conditioning is but um, um, you know he stressed being in shape for fighting um, you know and he, he walked the walk you have to be in condition you have to have a great work ethic and, and go out there and not just as we were saying earlier put in the time but work out smart work out for fighting um, you know running you can run all you want but that make you a better runner. He had conditioning for fighting. So, uh, uh, you know, great advice there. Yeah, and you're going to see that come up in today's interview with Steve Maxwell. He's going to talk about uh, not doing cardio for cardio's sake, but doing specific things that will help you uh, with what you want to do, like on the mat or, or whatever your goals are. You know, if you're, yeah. you want to run, you'll be better at running, but it may yeah. not really help you on the mat too much. Unless so. you're trying to run away from your opponent. Gary, man, that's that that's so bad. true, man. <laughs> that was bad. That's that's why I'm naturally uh, try to keep my running up. You know, like I, I don't ever want to lose that. You know, yeah, it's got to be ready important. to to, to yeah. get the heck out of there. Uh, number three on the list of uh, Bruce Lee lessons is the virtue of mental flexibility, and I think this is this is jujitsu like is perfect. Like you've got to be mentally flexible uh, to deal with all the variety of situations coming at you, and to deal with the uh, the adversity you're going to face throughout your your journey on, on the mats. Here, it's just something that's going to uh, you're going to learn it over and over again, and you're going to be you know like a uh, you can be like super flexible. You can put your foot behind your head mentally. You know, like your mental flexibility is going to be uh, immeasurable. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my favorite part of this uh, is basically the last sentence. If you're occasionally willing to experiment, instead of sticking to rigid formulas, it'll pay big dividends. And, you know, there's your, uh, you know, your mental flexibility. Try different stuff. And it's try it in practice. Try it with your buddies. And, and it'll help you when you're out there in real competition or in real life self-defense applications. And number four, and I think most of us have always heard this quote from Bruce Lee, but uh, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless. And, you know, he's just talking about not every move is going to work for you. Uh, they give the example of a of a 300-pound inflexible guy with tree trunk thighs who squats a small house. They're saying it's going to be hard for, for that guy to... Uh, have a very good triangle so we all have physical limitations we're all built a little bit differently so some moves may not work as well but i think you still need to don't just not learn them don't just not try them you're gonna need to learn them and you it may become your move you you have to get out there and try it and and see what happens yeah give give them a shot and uh, there's benefit to learning moves, even if you're not going to ever 
uh, be good at them because you'll have them in your memory bank and you'll you'll understand how they work a little bit better than if you just see them. Yeah, and when somebody's setting you up, trying to set you up, you're going to be like, oh, I, I know what he's doing right there. He's going for a triangle and, hey, I need to get some posture. I need to get ready to defend instead of just being totally clueless and you've got your posture broken and next thing you know, you, you fell asleep. Yeah. I, th- I think with this this point number four here, absorb what's useful, reject what is useless, it's a great example of the fundamentals. Like, you've got to do uh, certain things fundamentally sound, but after that, you've got to figure out what's good for you, what works for your body type, what your goals are, you, what positions you like, and use those. And if it's if it's not for you, it's still it doesn't mean that the technique is not good. It just means that you're better spent uh, spending your time uh, developing techniques that will fit your game well. Well, let me ask you a question on that there, Byron. Okay. Let's say I'm a member of Byron Jabara's school of jiu-jitsu, and you have 40 you, guys. You also signed a three-year uh, three, three membership, buddy. <laughs> Thank and you. And you're auto-debiting me? Yes. Yeah. But um, what would you recommend to somebody in, in a situation where, you know, let's say they're a new student, and, and even though there may be an there may not be a beginner class or they may be in a beginner class that the instructor has to show a little bit of everything. And let's say you get to the point where you're trying to work on your game. Like how, how would somebody work on their game in a class environment without alienating the teacher or the other, other instructors? Would you wait till after class and, you know, maybe do a little rolling on the side, or, or what would you recommend? It's tough because uh, you need a teacher showing you an armbar for mount, and you're in your first month, and you cannot obtain mount. It's not going to do you much good, but still, it's still a valuable technique. Yeah, Even, I guess that goes back to what you were saying just a minute ago about the fundamentals. Yeah, and that by learning this technique. You know, maybe a year before you can even get it mount. Some, I mean, some people, but uh, it's still a good technique, and you're still going to understand it better. So, learn what the instructor's teaching. Take it for what, it's, what you can. Um, typically speaking, like uh, I think we talked about the last interview, with Steve Maxwell. Like classes start off with technique that's that's fairly simple, and then get a little harder, and then a, a little bit harder technique that builds on that or branches off to something a little different. Um, so that first part of the technique is the part that you really should be working on, and you're going to work on it over and over again as you branch off to the next little uh, part of the technique there. So I, I, you know, in your class, pay attention, work hard. It's going to pay off. When you're rolling, uh, it's okay to have a game plan or, or to have something that you want to do and focus on specifically, even if it wasn't what you did today. So that's, Yeah, I like that. I like that, like you're saying, have a game you know, you can work your own little game right there when the rolling part starts. Yeah, I think I think that's just that's the way it is for everybody. Yeah. Even if you're an advanced student in an advanced class, you might not be doing the moves you want to do today. So, just just learn them and and take what you can from them. And there's a good chance you know at some tournament or some uh, somebody's going to be doing those moves to you, and you'll want to understand them. You'll need to know them. Yeah, yep, definitely. So. It's it's all just part of training. There's so much to learn out there that you got to spend some time on a little bit of everything. Well, Byron, I think it's time to uh, get onto the meat and potatoes of our show today, part two with Steve Maxwell. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. He once grappled a polar bear to test out his bear hug. He once choked out an opponent 
using only his Wi-Fi connection. When he models for gay companies, he uses only his bad side. He only gets ringworm on his ring finger. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick podcast. Stay listening, my friends. You reach your your maximum muscular strength. I, I think I felt the best I had ever felt when I was between uh, 40 and 45. I mean, I actually felt as good as I did when I was a college wrestler. I felt that strong, that that good. But, uh, you know, then, then once you reach the half-century mark, you, you definitely notice a big bump and a, 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 a drop-off. And I'm pretty convinced that, like, in the, uh, the age group competitions, let's say Masters yeah. and uh, Senior 1, 2, 3, 4, uh, they created that not, not because the guys physiologically can't compete with the younger guys. They did that because the guys don't have time to compete. Usually, by the time a guy's thirty, he has his career and you know family, and you know he's 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 a working man now. He's a householder. He just doesn't have the time to go train like the younger guys. But in reality, physiologically, uh, you don't really you know a guy in his forties can easily compete with a guy in his twenties, no problem. If he's able to you put know, the time in. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you who proved this over and over. It was Megaton Diaz. I yeah, expected that guy so much. There was a guy, you know, there he was like, what, mid-40s and still going to the world and doing good, man. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, it was like, but, you know, I think a lot of guys could do that if they had the time to train. The problem is they don't. So they had to create these other categories for guys that just don't have the time to get on the mat that much. And, you know, don't. And plus, you know, it's not even the time. A lot of times it's just the energy. You only have but so much energy, both mental and and physical and people underestimate the effect that mental and emotional toll can take. So if you're running a, a business or you're working a, a job that has a lot of stress or maybe working for someone that's not so nice and they cause you a lot of stress, that, that can be very physically draining as well, man. So it, you only have but so much energy. And, you know, both the physical and the mental take up that energy. So jiu-jitsu for many people is just like one of those fun things that they, they, they do at the end of the day. And sometimes they just don't have much left for it. Yeah. I, I want to go back a little bit to your uh, lifestyle jiu-jitsu camp. Is is that targeted at a specific group of people? Like, It's targeted for anybody. Okay. Anyone that just wants to see how I've been able to manage, you know, over the, you know, uh, last half century and kept myself in the game. Uh, hey, I'll, I'll share all my, my secrets with you. I, I have some really nice corrective exercises and, uh, you know, uh, for sure we're going to be doing jiu-jitsu yeah. and, and so forth. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of guys that are way better qualified to show all the latest bear, bolo, worm guard, you know, Z guard, X guard, butterfly, rubber. I mean, you know, uh, don't come to the camp for that. <laughs> there's some guys way, way better qualified to teach you all that stuff. But if you want to learn how to maintain a very, very high level of conditioning and, and well-being and so forth, this would be a good place for you to come. 
and I'll show you how to keep your joints strong and safe and resilient, even how to work through injuries and so forth. I'm not a rehab specialist. I'm not a doctor or anything like that. But I'll tell you, over the years, I've become my own doctor, my own rehab specialist, and just through frustration. Because most of the time, the medical profession are horrible at really helping you with stuff. It's either don't do it, take this drug, or here, we want to operate. And I've worked myself through many, many uh, pretty serious injuries and came up with... uh, Corrective exercises uh, that work for myself and a lot of my students. Just through experimentation, I came up with some pretty good systems. So I ne- there was never a point when I was injured that I still didn't train in some way. Yeah, there's always a way that you can work around stuff. But one one of the things I, I I'm really animate about you you really shouldn't be producing injuries with your supplementary training. Now, jujitsu sometimes is unavoidable. You know, you have two people. It is a combat martial art. You know, it is combat. Uh, so stuff is going to happen. Even if you train really light, you're going to pull something down again. You, you know, so you're going to hurt something. That's expected. That's all part of the game. That's something that you 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 know sign up for basically when you you realize. But your supplementary training should never you should never hurt yourself. Your weight training, your body weight calisthenics, uh, whatever you're into. If you're hurting yourself doing that or whatever, then you don't know what you're doing. You're, you're making a big mistake. You're, you're going about it all wrong. Your supplementary training should prevent injuries, not cause them. So a wow. lot of kids out there, you know, doing the crazy CrossFit and all this stuff uh, are yanking their joints apart with all this awful stuff. And uh, they don't realize the harm they're doing. And, they're, you know, you're, you're basically not going to be able to do that stuff for very long. And it's going to keep you from doing the thing you really love, which is uh, jujitsu. I, I love the way you look at it. That if, yeah, you're going to get bumped up and, and hurt a little bit in jujitsu, but the stuff that you do to help you do jujitsu, that's that's not acceptable to, to take injuries and in 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 time off because of stuff that happens on that. That's I never really thought of it like that, but that's a that's a very uh, great way to, to look at your off the mat training and, and how it could support you. Uh, on the mat and and just have a healthy uh, lifestyle. And I imagine that's like what the camp will be about, a lot about, like the off the mat training and, and doing that in a, in, a, in a safe way, and um, and just that that great lifestyle of of being able to train until well on into that everybody else of your age has has been forced to quit. 70, because, 70 80, 90 and beyond. Just yeah. Like but uh, uh, the other aspect too, of course, you know, we will talk about diet. Obviously, there's no avoiding it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I find I find dieting somewhat uh, kind of a boring subject. People get so hysterical about it. But yeah, there'll be plenty about dieting, uh, uh, strength training, supplementary strength training. But also, it's going to be a lot of emphasis on the uh, the the classic Elliot Gracie stand up self defense. Good. That sounds like, that sounds great. Yeah, I mean, it's something that uh, will. Will, will definitely be stressed. You know, what jiu-jitsu was originally intended for. Yeah. Keep you know smaller, weaker people safe from from attack. Yeah, I think that's the a big reason why people start jujitsu, and then they, after a little while, it's just so fun that they forget about that and they just go in there and, and train and roll, and they and that's that's oftentimes you know it's kind of put to the side, it, it, and people still have that thirst for, for the self defense, but they just don't they're not reminded of it. They're not. Uh, it's not brought in as, as often. 
Yeah, and there's no reason why that can't be, you know, have the best of both worlds. Yeah. You know, just a few minutes every class, just uh, basic uh, stand-up self-defense, and then, you know, go and play. Have fun. For for a competitor today, I want to get a couple things out of you here. What would be the – how would somebody find the balance of of overtraining and and taking enough time off, like to find that balance and – and be able to to come into their match, or to stay at a real healthy level. Well, you know, it's one known fact that the people that train the most or practice the most, so to speak, are used to the past. Yeah. But at what point does the training start to work against you? It's called the point of diminishing returns. For younger guys that are not particularly adept and maybe not even that particular condition, they can train a lot. Because they're not they're, they're not even able to tax themselves that much with their training. But as you become more and more skillful and your skill sets get improved and so forth, you're able to, you know, maybe push yourself a little bit harder with your conditioning and so forth. And as you get stronger and more conditioned, you'll find that it takes longer to recover. And as you age, the same thing also happens. You know, it just takes longer to recover. So you got to be way more judicious with how hard you train and how often. So you, you can drill a lot, but most guys, when they say they just want to do light roll or drill, it ends up being a heavy roll, man. Yeah. I find you're just better <laughs> off almost just staying out of the gym. So I, I would say for, for younger guys, you know, you can train four or five times a week, no problem. But once you get over 40, you should cut it down to like three days a week. That's, that's been my experience. You don't want to do much more than three. There's plenty. Yeah. You're going to maintain your skills at a very, very high level. And, you know, the, the older guy just can't train as frequently. That's all. And if you give yourself those days off, you'll feel fantastic. But if you try to force it and go in there every day, then you're going to feel pretty beat up and you're going to get a lot of overuse injuries and postural problems. Unless you're an unusual person that can really, truly not train hard in the days you go in. But grapplers, I mean, let's face it, come on. We're all extremists, right? It's extremist <laughs> sport. I mean, what, what do you do in jiu-jitsu? Uh, you basically throw someone violently to the ground, right? And then you, you win by twisting or bending a joint until the person either screams in pain or taps out, sometimes both, screaming and tapping, or you choke the guy unconscious, you choke him to sleep. So that's an extreme sport by any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) And it takes an extremist personality to do that type of sport. So being an extremist, you know, we love doing what we do. And there's always a tendency to just want to do more and more and more and more, you know? It's like you just can't have, like, just a couple, you know, tablespoons of ice cream. You can't just eat, like, a little bit. (laughs) You you end up eating the whole freaking pint. So you're almost better off just don't eat the damn ice cream in the first place because you're just going to end up blowing your (laughs) diet and eating the whole damn thing, you know? Yeah. And that's that's how I see jiu-jitsu guys. They're better off maybe just staying out of the gym, you know? At least three days a week. So what would, they would feel way better for it. Yeah. So if, there's, this, there's this myth that you got to train hard every day, you know, twice a day. And there are guys that do that, but man, you will burn out. 
And, he, you know, I did that in college wrestling. Man, we used to train every day. Sometimes we'd have two a days, like uh, preseason. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a 20-year-old body can handle that kind of thing. But for the older athlete, you know, once you're over 40, you can't handle that. You're just going to burn out, get overuse injuries, get exhausted, get adrenal uh, burnout. It's just too much, man. So, you know, take, 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 take heed. Just three days a week is plenty, man. Plenty. <laughs> You, you're Still recommending jujitsu. Yeah, th- three days a week for jujitsu. But for the other the other days that week, um, what would be a good thing that you would recommend that they would do to to stay busy and stay active? Well, uh, every day joint mobility. Uh, joint mobility meaning uh, there, there's certain types of exercises that you do to lubricate and nourish the joints. Uh, the uh, there's a whole bunch of different systems that I've combined together into my own little system. Some of it's based in Taoist yoga. Some of it's based in Qigong. Uh, a lot of it's based on the Russian uh, mobility that I learned when I was uh, in Russia. Uh, they had special exercises that these special ops soldiers uh, would use that uh, really make you feel quite good, pretty really energized. Uh, you know, so I combined these different systems together. Uh, with stuff that I knew from even back in the 1960s that we used to do as standard uh, wrestling exercises. And uh, I created this little system for myself, basically, but, uh, you know, I felt so good. A lot of people wanted to learn it, so I just started showing more and more people this little system that I that, that I do. And uh, I've been teaching it here in Sydney, as a matter of fact, uh, a couple of days a week at uh, a, a local club at a... Uh, kind of like a their version of the YMCA like a police athletic club it's the PYCY and I've been going in there 1230 uh, a few times a week and um, have a bunch of young fellows that come in there and, and uh, work with me but these are the kind of things that you can do in your off days and uh, you know uh, your supplemental strength training uh, you certainly don't need to do uh, a lot of explosive type lifting and all that kind of stuff I uh, there's this whole myth that uh you got to train fast to be fast, or you got to lift the weights explosively to build your explosivity on the mat. Uh, explosivity isn't that important in jiu-jitsu anyway, by, by the way. It's, you know, it's, it's an attribute, but the, I've never found, and I've never actually seen any real research to, to substantiate the idea that lifting weights fast or doing explosive, let's say, uh, clapping push-ups or that type of plyometric yeah. stuff, that actually increases your speed and other non-related things. You get really good at doing those exercises, but the transference <laughs> is, is nothing. Yeah. And there's much, much better ways to increase strength that are way safer on your joints. And uh, so I show a lot of that stuff in my workshops. Uh, actually, the exact opposite works great for jujitsu, and that's slow training, yeah. slow speed training, high tension, even isometrics. Isometrics were all the rage. Even Olympic weightlifters were doing isometrics back in the 60s, and then they just kind of disappeared for a while. But uh, they've made a big resurgence just recently. And I'm a huge fan of isometrics, but uh, what I'm finding is a lot of the kids have no clue on how to do them. So it's something that uh, I also teach, isometric training, uh, high uh, tension bodyweight training. I'm not talking about, like, stunts either, you know. Yeah. People get really confused. Uh, you know, front levers and uh, front planche and, you know, handstands and all that kind of stuff is really cool. But it has nothing to do with jiu-jitsu. <laughs> <laughs> you 
I, I'm thinking you know, of a lot, like a lot of people get really confused. You know, yeah. There's 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 demonstrating strength and power. For example, a demonstration of strength would be a a uh, maybe a muscle up on the rings, or how about an iron cross on the rings? That's 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 a demonstration of strength. And obviously, the guy's really strong, but it's a very specific type of strength geared to that position. Is it the best way to strengthen your shoulders and your elbows? Uh, it is not. There are other more general ways to build strength that are much safer and much more productive and have a much higher transference to other non-related activities. So often when people are working in these specific feats or stunts or demonstrations, the it's so specific that it has very little transference to other non-related stuff. Your, your strength training should transfer in a general way to all sports and activities. So a basic rule is the more skill that a particular exercise takes, the less transference it has to anything else. I mean, there's no doubt that you'll get stronger when yeah. you're doing anything, really. But it's not always the, the, the most objective and, 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 and best way to do it. There's way way better ways to 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 get strong than a lot of these stunts and feet. That makes sense. I'm trying to higher care. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying to think of uh, as someone who's going to do uh, a competition and they're not real experienced with um, conditioning their body. And maybe kind of a newer concept for them. They haven't maybe they haven't competed for years. Or maybe haven't competed really in anything. And they're and they're getting into jujitsu and they want to do a, a competition. How would you like, like if they're trying to get together like a morning routine to help get them started off in a good way? Do you have any recommendations well, for them to do something? Yeah, I mean mobility every single day. Okay, just to keep the body supple, you know, uh, including stretching. You know, static stretching can be a, a real boon. Uh, generally speaking, I like to do the stretching at the end of the training, though. It's it's not a good idea to uh, stretch before you train. So a lot of uh, uh, evidence that this could possibly actually make you more prone to injury than, than uh, not, which is a surprise to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, especially stretching immediately prior to uh, training, you know. So you usually stay very stretching to the end, but, you, you know, there's no, certainly nothing wrong with doing static stretching to help balance the body. Uh, the strength training, uh, if, if you're if you're doing a lot of jiu-jitsu, let's say you're getting on the mat, uh, let's say, four times or more a week, then one strength training a week is more than enough. You do not need to be training three or four weight trainings a week or strength trainings. Once a week. Uh, maybe uh, if you're not training all that heavy, uh, twice a week. But okay. certainly not more than twice a week. And I tried everything. Believe me, I tried every kind of routine. <laughs> you know, we, we, every, every single guy that I worked with over, over, over you know, the last 30 years with jiu-jitsu – uh, we would find ourselves rapidly getting uh, overtrained if we tried to do more than two conditionings a week. And in most cases, one we felt the best. And it was really funny because I interviewed a Russian wrestler at the Montreal Open back in the 70s. I actually fought against the guy. He kicked my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and he immediately then tried to defect to Canada. This is back during the days of the old evil empire, you know, the USSR. And the guy tried to defect. His name was Victor Silverman. And I was talking to him in the locker room afterwards, just doing like a little article. I was actually writing stuff even back then. And uh, I was absolutely shocked when he told me 
that he only lifted weights once a week, that he lifted weights four times a month. Uh, I, was, I couldn't wrap my head around that. I says, what? I thought you Russian dudes were lifting every day, twice a day, you know what I mean? And it wasn't true at all. They would do mostly sports-specific uh, drills, and he said that they didn't even wrestle all out more than uh, twice a week. Wow. But they would just drill, drill, drill at match speed, which gives you a tremendous amount of endurance. Just try doing like 20 high crotch single leg takedowns, you know, pretty much nonstop at full absolute match speed. And they wouldn't even take each other down. They would just do the move. You know, the guy would just stand there like a dummy. And, so, yeah. and then sometimes they would take the guy down, but that's freaking exhausting. Yeah, that man. would be. That is really tiring, and that's how they would get the sports-specific conditioning. So forget cardio. Cardio is kind of a myth. You know, you could be the best runner in the world and die like a rat in two minutes on the mat, you know? There's no reason to do, uh, you know, running or ellipticals or any of that stuff or bike. I mean, some guys think that it helps, but the transference is pretty minimal. There is no such thing as cardio. It's all, it's all basic muscular endurance, right? You take a runner and you put him on a bike and he dies, you know. Yeah. You can get your heart just <laughs> as strong from doing general strength training like a circuit as you can from anything else. And jiu-jitsu really builds the sports-specific conditioning required for, for what we do. Yeah. So as long as it's you're able to get like, on the mat. You know, so, you know, just getting on the mat and doing, oh, let's say you're a white belt or a blue belt, you're fighting five or six-minute matches. So, you know. Start doing a whole bunch of five and six minute matches, just like you would in a tournament. But just uh, you know, usually you get like a, anywhere between five to ten minute rest in between matches. That's a really good way to train. Okay. Very very sports specific, and you'll get the exact conditioning. If you don't, if you can't really get on the mat that often, and you know, uh, you could simulate uh, five minute or six minute matches by doing uh, short circuits. You know, short, intense circuits of that same time of you know your basic calisthenic movement patterns with uh, you know pull ups and push ups and dips and bodyweight squats. If you're really strong, you do one legged squats, even one arm push ups. If you're really strong, and give yourself a tremendous workout that way. But for the most part, you don't want to rely on uh, outside conditioning. You want to rely on jujitsu as your main source of conditioning. And then you want to do a general strength training at least once a week, certainly not more than twice a week. And I believe me, I've tried it all. I've done everything, every kind of thing you can do. And it doesn't really matter what it is either. It could be body weight. It could be barbells. Hey, even machines. Yeah. There's old hammer strength and old Nautilus machine circuits. People poo-poo that as yeah. always non-functional. Bullshit. Some, when I, when I uh, was... Uh, Wrestling NCAA, I used to do this brutal Nautilus circuits like once a week. Oh, my God almighty. They were intense. And anyone that tells you you can't get strong from doing machine training, that's absolute nonsense. Matter of fact, the only NFL football team to go undefeated and win a Super Bowl was the 1973 Miami Dolphins under Don Schulich. Guess what? Their primary conditioning was a Nautilus circuit and <laughs> Nautilus machines. So, that's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Don't uh, don't say that you know you you know that machine training is non-functional. That's silly. It, you know your muscles don't know whether they're lifting you know buckets of horse shit or you know a hundred thousand dollar <laughs> uh, 
medics machine. It, yeah. it, it, ultimately, it doesn't matter. Yeah. As long as you're doing something on a regular basis and you're making a progressive overload and you're attempting to uh, uh, you know, increase weight and or reps. But you know, uh, as I said earlier, though, there does come a point in a man's life where you're not going to increase his weight and his reps anymore. Yeah, you're not. You know, your days for setting PRs in the gym are long gone. So, if your whole game was always about you know lifting a certain amount of weight or doing a certain amount of reps, and I had said this earlier, you're going to be greatly disappointed. For a lot of guys like me, it's a matter of holding on to what you've built over the years, not losing. Trying to trying to see how little ground you can lose and trying to maintain the high level. That's a good intrinsic goal. That's a good healthy. I'm not going to set any PRs, but hey, I, I can certainly maintain a very very high level into advanced age. That's a very very good goal for an older man. Trying to hold on to a, a you know a certain level of what you've built over the years. I look at strength training for for uh, guys as kind of like money in the bank, you know. Yeah, that makes- you're, you're 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 saving a, a certain amount of money, and you're putting it in the bank for later, for so, future use. Yeah, you you're in in Sydney, Australia, right now for a little bit longer. Then you're uh, you travel a lot. Yeah, yeah, I uh, pretty much different country every few weeks. Uh, usually every winter, I like to come to Sydney. Uh, I kind of hate the uh, social hysteria. I'm a minimalist. Uh, I, I'm a uh, digital nomad. I make my living from the internet, but also, you know, doing seminars. But obviously, uh, I got to be someplace that has Wi-Fi, so that cuts out some a lot of third world places. And then, uh, yeah, I'll teach seminars. Uh, so I'll teach jujitsu. Uh, I'll show the Gracie uh, self defense. I'm, I'm hosted by people, so any listeners out there that would like to host a Steve Maxwell seminar, uh, contact me through my. Uh, my contact page on my website. I'd be happy to talk to you. And then, uh, yeah, I just kind of roam around. I, really, I don't own anything, by the way. No house, no car, no apartment, no furnishings, uh, no storage locker somewhere with stuff in it, no car, you know, nothing. I have one 45-liter uh, bag, which is a convertible backpack. I hate those stupid roller things, you know? Yeah. And, uh uh, yeah, try try rolling a roller bag on cobblestone streets, <laughs> or try uh, changing trains three or four trains in Germany or, or London in a busy train station, uh, trying to yank those things up uh, several flights of stairs, or in a snowstorm try rolling it down the the sidewalk, or in mud. You know, you quickly learn that it's better to carry your belongings on your back. So they have some pretty cool convertible. How long have you uh, had travel packs? How long have you been, been able doing to? This since uh, 2005. Okay. I I got divorced uh, from my ex-wife DC Maxwell. We had uh, the first Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school in the Eastern Seaboard. It went great for about 16 years, 17 years, I guess. And then um, after the divorce, uh, I basically uh, moved in a camper van and lived in there for about three years. I always had this thing where I wanted to live in a little RV but not a big one so I had this kick-ass converted uh, camper van that was my home for three years I drove across the United States uh, coast to coast eight times wow <laughs> and uh, I actually talked to a young girl a young woman <laughs> I call her young she's she's like 10 years younger than myself but to me she's young and uh, I taught she she traveled with me and she actually lived in that van with me I mean, how, how many women do you know that uh, 
that uh, don't care about materialism and don't care about clothes and jewelry and you know all that crap. Perfect traveling companion, and uh, so she lived there with me. And then I just started traveling so much, I didn't even know what to do with my camper van. You just can't leave it set someplace, you know. So I decided, <laughs> to, yeah. I mean, one trip would go to the next trip, which go to the next place. Everything was linking together. And there was a period of time where I didn't even see that van for almost six and a half months. And, you know, you got to maintain a vehicle. You can't just leave it sit. So I figured I'd sell it while it's still worth something. And then ever since then, you know, wherever I'm at is my home. So, you know, it, it was very liberating uh, becoming a non-materialist and uh, a full-time traveler. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still like to spend my money. I'm, I'm known to buy, uh, I love uh, shoes and, and uh, different technical shorts and clothes and stuff. I'm thinking about doing a blog on just uh, equipment and, and stuff because I've become a real expert at, uh, you know, high-tech uh, fabrics and stuff. I can really help people out there looking to, to you know, make their wardrobe into a very functional uh, type of thing. I'm, I'm but, <laughs> I'm curious, what kind of what kind of backpack do you have? Like, uh, it's actually uh, the Tom Bin Aeronaut. You can look that up. B I H N Tom Bin. Okay. Uh, the Aeronaut. Uh, it was between that one and the Tortuga. If you look, Tortuga, T O R T U G A, Tortuga backpack. It was a really tough decision between those two. I went with the more expensive Tom Bin. And I uh, never saw it. Man, what a freaking great bag that is. And, uh, you know, everything that I wear has to serve triple purpose since I don't have that much. A, it got to look good in public. You know, I don't dress up anymore. Any place I'd have to wear a, a shirt and a tire or a sports jacket, I just don't want to go to that place. You know, I've yeah. engineered my lifestyle that I don't have to go to places like that. I don't enjoy it. So, I, but it still has to look good in public. You know, I, I don't want to look like a bum. And the uh, it also has to be quick dry, something I can uh, wash in the sink. And uh, it has to be really tough and wear well. And I got to be able to train in it. So all my clothes, I, I you know, my, my running shorts, my workout shorts, and my around uh, town shorts are all the, the same thing. And, you know, with all the awesome high-tech fabrics that a lot of the hiking and uh, rock climbing uh, clothes manufacturers are making, uh, wow, some of the clothes are just fantastic. There's some awesome companies out there. So everything's like uh, really high-tech fabrics that are easily uh, cared for. Uh, they got to be water-resistant, uh, spill-proof, you know. I can yeah. dump a cup of coffee on these shorts I'm wearing right now, and I could just wipe it off, and it wouldn't even have a stain. It would be fine. Wow, that's cool. It sounds like I, when you're just going to have a few things, you, you're able to, or you want to make sure that they're the, the quality that... The, the absolute best, right? Yeah. A few nice things is, is certainly great. But it is liberating not to be owned by your things. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, so many guys end up, you know, basically working a, a job they don't particularly like, maybe even a horrible job, to buy stuff that they don't need. And then they got to maintain all that stuff, right? They got to maintain it and pay for it and upkeep it, yeah, and so forth. And your whole life can be just about your stuff. That's a that's a terrible way. That's a terrible thing. I mean, that's a real waste of of, of one's energy in life. 
Obviously, like stress is is unhealthy, and a lot of people carry a lot of stress for you know having the house they can hardly afford and and all this stuff like that. But is there? Um, I've never lived a lifestyle like you. Is there a, a, a lot of stress? You, do you get some stress with with not having? Oh, a- sure, sure. I mean, you know, sometimes you get to some pretty weird places, man. You know, sometimes. Uh, well, I was, I was in Shanghai, China, not too long ago. You know, China has that uh, firewall up uh, their anti Google. Yeah, I kept using VPN uh, addresses on my iPad so I could access my emails and and keep up because you know I make my living doing online personal training, fat loss programs, uh, training programs, uh, you know, for everyone from athletes to just regular housewives that just want to get their figures trimmed. And, uh, I, I, but that's my life blood. That's how I make my living. So not being able to access email, that was a bit stressful, you know? And, you know, sometimes you get into these weird situations in certain countries, you know, with visas and things like that. Uh, you know, Sometimes, uh, you know, flight, just flying is stressful. Yeah. Uh, just, just the nature of flying. I mean, you're in basically an artificial environment with these all these electromagnetic fields, you know. Uh, people don't realize how electromagnetic fields uh, influence your own electromagnetic field. Basically, we're just a bunch of electrons floating around. And... You know, we're bioelectrical machines, basically, is what the human body is. So these other things really, you know, everything from radio waves to TV waves to microwaves to, you know, neon lights to high-power electrical lines. I mean, it all has an influence on your energy and your your body. But it's particularly concentrated in airlines, you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an airplane, yeah. in a jet. And uh, it can be tiring, man. You know, you're breathing that canned air. Sometimes my flights are up to 14 hours. And it's just sitting. I mean, sitting. Think of sitting in a chair as the new smoking. That's just about how harmful it is. Yeah. So imagine then sitting for like a a 12 to 14-hour flight in that artificial environment. And that's very taxing on your body. They can leave you tired. And then if you're, you're moving a whole bunch of time zones... There's that little thing going on there. The disruption to your sleep, the disruption to your eating, you know. It's like things get kind of messed up a little bit for a while. So that can be that can be stressful to, to the body. But I do uh, uh, meditation and visualization. Uh, I'm very big into affirmations and things like that. And you can mitigate a lot of the damage, of course, just by keeping your mind calm and, 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 and using some of these... Uh, mind techniques uh, you can override a lot of the negative physical things that are going on uh, when when you're when you're traveling but uh, I'm pretty adaptable uh, yeah you know you, you get uh, you get really good at being adaptable it's kind of a skill set just like jujitsu is you know you learn just to roll with it you know occasionally you know there'll be a mess up with the airline a cancellation or you know, I've actually missed flights before and had to eat the full ticket, man. <laughs> That's always a little Ooh, stressful. Yeah, that would be that'd be pretty uh, disappointing or, or hard to hard to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you travel as much as I do, it's bound to happen at yeah. some point. But you know, I've been really, really, really fortunate though. Most of my flights have been my travel has been just absolutely picture perfect. Of course, I visualize that. You know, I visualize that happen. I absolutely 
you know, always see everything going smoothly. And I always generate the feeling in my body that it's going to be that way. And, you know, usually uh, the kind of mental energy you're putting out there, that's pretty much what you attract. So you, uh, you pretty much get in this world what you put out, the kind of energy, energy in versus energy out. Yeah. So if you're if you're a scary Mary or you're a warrior, you kind of almost create the very thing that you're afraid of. And I've seen that time and time and time again. So it's really important to get uh, mental and emotional control. And a lot of people they have physical skill sets, but they don't have good mental emotional skill sets. And that's very important if you're going to be a competitor in jujitsu. You got to learn to control your mind. Yeah, that's something that most coaches don't work with. You know, a lot of you know the the a lot of uh, there's a, there's a whole psychology uh, behind sport as well, but you'll find that a lot of the stuff that works for sport also transcends into your normal daily life. Yeah, I think sometimes like you're talking about you you attract it and it just happens to you, but you know you have a you have a positive attitude about your traveling. And then it, you know if something happens, you know it's going to end up okay. You, you, like you already you have the positive attitude, but if you have the negative attitude, oh, I knew it was going to happen, and this and now it's going to be even worse. And, and it's just sometimes like yeah, for me that's like the way it seems to be. Spiral and yeah, you're, you're basically creating these scenarios. And you know I, I had this really uh, awesome spiritual guru that used to tell me, hey, it's not about what happens so much. It's about the way you think about it and the way you handle it. Wow, that's, you know? yeah, that's cool. That's a good way to and think of it. I'll give, you, I'll give you a perfect example. Early in my training with this guy, we were at a restaurant, as a, and this is back in the day when people were still allowed to smoke in restaurants, and there's a guy sitting beside me that's basically blowing his smoke over to me, and I'm, you know, I'm, really sensitive to cigarette smoke and I'm getting madder by the second about the cigarette smoke and I'm trying to fight you know I'm fussing a little bit I'm trying to decide what I want to do about it <laughs> you know I'm thinking about you know doing something almost violent you know <laughs> and I'm looking at my my guru friend who was this you know very I at that time I, I consider him incredibly highly spiritually developed and I'm saying doesn't that bother you you don't seem to be upset at all and he said Steve your mental agitation is doing you way more harm than any of that cigarette smoke possibly could he says the guy's within his rights to smoke it there's not anything I can do about it I'm supplementing the damage that that smoke could possibly do by keeping a positive mindset and I'm able to supplement and I thought, wow, man, that is so deep, man. He truly wasn't bothered by it. And he was right. I was probably my upset about it was way worse than any damage that little bit of smoke was going to do me for that short time I was in that restaurant. So we, you know, how often do we get in situations where we agitate, you know, our minds get really agitated and, and you know, we create all this tension. Yeah. That is way more damaging than anything that's actually happening. You know, I hadn't thought of that, but that's you. You, you were you were doing as much damage, if not more, to yourself by getting upset and, and worked out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no sense trying to fight what is. You know? Yeah, it is what it is. You ain't going to change it by being upset. 
you're just going to make yourself even more, you know, you know, you're going to make yourself sick, basically. Yeah. So just breathe, calm down. Everything works out for the best. Everything will resolve itself at some point. No sense, you know, getting yourself all, you know, crazy about stuff that happens because you, you can't do anything about it most of the time. I mean, you can create good situation for yourself by keeping a positive mindset all the time as much of the time. Of course, no one can do it all the time. But, you know, there will be times when things happen that have the appearance of being really negative. Sometimes they're blessings in disguise, you know? I mean, we've all read about the guy that was late for his flight and he missed it. He's all upset and he's eating the ticket only to find out that, you know, there was a plane crash. Yeah. I mean, that's an extreme example. Yeah. But, I mean, that has happened. You know, but I mean, there, how many times in our life were we late for an appointment or we missed the cutoff and perhaps it avoided a greater disaster? Yeah. Maybe it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Maybe you were supposed to be late to that appointment. Maybe it was like that higher mind, that, that higher part of yourself that was protecting you from something. I mean, I, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a real optimist when it comes to that kind of stuff. You, you did so. I was looking for the silver cloud. Yeah. And, you know, I just don't question what is. It is what it is, and I just have to deal with it as it is. And I'm going to try to stay as calm as I can. And I have to tell you, though, uh, Byron, I wasn't always that way. I used to have a pretty bad temper. But what I was doing was it was it was creating a sickness in me. I, I used to flare up and get pretty mad and rail and rant about stuff and I just learned that, wow, man, that's worse than the actual thing that I actually <laughs> yeah. ran about. I think that's, that's <laughs> common. I mean, it didn't help with that. Yeah. I just agitated myself. So I think that we could all look at that to, mindset even, uh, even on the mat. You yeah. That same mindset. Well, cool. Um, how you've got a, a really crazy schedule. It seems like I'm looking at your calendar here on the online. How could somebody keep up with you and, and, and keep up with what you're doing? Well, I'm on uh, Twitter. Uh, I'm Steve Maxwell, uh, SC, and I'm also on Facebook, and I'm always posting pictures, videos, uh, put up diet stuff, exercises, where I'm at. I get to some pretty cool, exotic locales. So, you know, even if you are stuck in a snowdrift somewhere in the East Coast, you can live vicariously through me (laughs) and follow me and like, like my Facebook. And then, of course, the website, as my main contact forum, Maxwell OSC. I have a, a people that run that website full time. I have a webmaster and my my young assistant. I call her my young teen assistant. Uh, she she uh, uh, answers all emails. And uh, so, if you have any inquiries or would like to contact or just keep up with my nomadic lifestyle, uh, the, that's the way to do it. The 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 amazing digital age you know <laughs> you know I, I i was almost 50 years old before i started having my first laptop and i i just fought against it for years i never really learned how to touch type and my typing skills are pretty mediocre so i really didn't do it for the longest time but once i actually you know got uh, my first little computer and then i, I uh, a black uh, my first uh, phone a tech phone was a BlackBerry. I realized, wow, you can really communicate with these things. This thing is awesome. And then I just took off, and now I'm an iPad guy, and I try to answer all emails 
And uh, if you would have told me, let's say, 20 years ago, I'd be making my living, you know, using all this tech stuff. Uh, it's like you're crazy, man. But, you know, the World Wide Web, what an amazing thing, you know. It allows yeah. people to communicate. And we're here, we're, we're talking as if we're in the same room together, and I'm on the whole other side of the world from you. A day ahead, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's really it is amazing if you, if you stop to think about it, and and uh, definitely uh, I'll put some links on the on the show notes there for everybody to go find you. But keep up with you, and and it's interesting to see where you go and and, and what you're up to, and always good advice coming out of you. Um, it, it's just just a great resource for everybody to to go check out. Hey, well, thanks, Byron. So it was a real pleasure, you know, being on your uh, podcast. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks well, th- a lot. Yeah, thanks for for. Uh, Hanging out and uh, appreciate all the the great advice and uh, and uh, be happy to have you back sometime. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd be thrilled. Thank okay. you. Yep. Thank you. All right, that wraps up our interviews with Steve Maxwell. Like I said before, if you missed the first one, go back and check it out. Uh, tons of great information. It's just fascinating talking to Steve Maxwell, uh, even if he wasn't a black belt that had been uh, a fitness. Uh, per- on the top of the food chain as far as fitness health uh, goes for anyone around the world. Uh, just a great guy and, and really interesting to hear. So uh, if you missed it, check it out. Uh, next week, Draculina will be uh, stopping by and, and giving us an interview. D- Gary? Boy, we're lucky to uh, interview somebody as talented as him. So uh, going to be a great show. Yep, definitely looking forward to, to getting that one to you guys. Gary, we still have a few uh, gee patches left. And key patches are going quick. We we love it that uh, everybody's uh, going on to our site or going on to uh, iTunes and leaving a review and make the review funny, and uh, we'll get you out a uh, uh, key patch. We'll send it to you free of charge, free of charge if you live in the United States. Yep, just after you write the review, uh, it does take a few days to post. That's fine. It doesn't really matter to us. Send us an email. Tell us uh, that you wrote a review, and uh, we should be expecting it to come through. So give us your – we'll need your address and get you a, a Gipesh. We're happy to do it, and we're thank you guys for the reviews that you've written so far. And if you've written one and not send us an email, uh, go ahead and send us an email if you want a Gipesh. If you don't, that's cool too. And same thing too, like Byron's saying, send us an email. You can do it on the Facebook page. You can also send us an email to uh, bjjbrick at gmail.com. But if you know anybody, uh, let's say your instructor or even yourself, uh, somebody worthy um, or somebody that would be a good interview, you know, give us um, some advice, you know. And if you're going to say tell your instructor, at least ask him first <laughs> to make sure yeah. he's interested. But um, and then also too, if you have any, a uh, lot of a lot of our listeners have a blog or, or write articles. If you have any uh, cool articles, send it to us, and uh, uh, maybe we can put it on a show. But uh, and finally, if you have any uh, any advice or questions, concerns, same thing. Uh, just give us an email. We we are very excited whenever uh, somebody. Uh, writes us and asks us some questions or has some concerns, but uh, uh, we we like that. Absolutely, that's always a highlight of our days when we get some some great feedback or or can help somebody with a question they have about jujitsu. Uh, we both enjoy that a lot. Especially, well, me. I'm not a very popular guy. Byron's <laughs> pretty popular, but um, so I, I like getting emails. Oh, okay. I think that's pretty neat. <laughs> Gary is uh, he's uh, yeah okay. I don't even respond to that, but. <laughs> Gary's a nice guy, and everybody seems to like him that knows him, so he's popular enough, I think. Gary, I'm excited. We've got a past guest coming in town here, and we're going to get to train with him. 
I am very excited for that also. Um, Roly Delgado is coming to Wichita, Kansas, April 4th, 2015. Fox Fitness, 12 o'clock, right, Byron? I, I don't know the exact time, but if you're off the day, uh, check it out for sure. Yeah, so uh, Roly Delgado is going to come to uh, Fox Fitness here in Wichita, Kansas. Anybody in the Midwest, uh, definitely come check it out. Uh, going to do his legal leg locks uh, seminar. So I'm very excited for it. Yeah, as am I, and I'll be there with you, buddy. It's going to be a great time on the mat. We're going to be walking with limps for a couple of weeks, and but uh, <laughs> everybody we train with afterwards is going to be walking with limps, thanks to all the stuff we're going to learn. It's like that ripple effect, right? Get yep. earlier on in the ripple. It's like a tsunami. Tsunami. Man, I don't know what you're doing for the glocks, but it's got, you got me beat, buddy. <laughs> hey, when I'm training with Rolly, it's going to be like a tsunami. That's right, man. If you uh, enjoyed the show... Uh, this week, definitely, uh, we appreciate it if you share. It. Tell a friend about it. You know, tell somebody on the mat that you help get the word out. That uh, that really that means a lot to us. That you would recommend this to a friend, um, not necessarily just online or whatever, but just in person. You're on the mats uh, grappling. Mention it if you can. Uh, it would, means a lot to us. And then also going back to that, give us a review, and then we'll send you out a patch. And that way, when you're on the mats, people can ask you about the patch, and then you can recommend us. Yeah. Yeah, what is that weird patch with the? What? <laughs> Who are those weird people? <laughs> I thought of, I looked at the other day, looking at making stickers, but I don't know. I don't know what you put a sticker on anything anyway. But uh, be nice to have something else to give away. Yeah, we could put them on our car. There you go. We'll put them all over yeah. your car. <laughs> I already have a, a yeah. The gee patch is weird enough. To little have a little picture of miniature me on my car. That's well, hey, <laughs> maybe I can. Uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, I can't even think of the word where they put all the uh, the wording and uh, the symbols all across your car to say BJJ Brick. How did I forget the name of what they call that? Oh, you mean like the big graphics that do the win- yeah. on the window? Oh man! Yeah. Well, even not just the window, even on the car there too. Oh, like that. a like an advertising thing. Yeah. Yep. We can do that to your car. Uh, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> that's fine. I really don't care what my car looks like, but it's not going to help. Or if you want, to, if anybody wants to do it to their own, uh, feel free to do that. Uh, you know, you can pay for all the charges and everything, and uh, that'd be and great. Send us a picture. Yeah, we'd love that. Yeah, and we will get you online, or we'll get you on this show. Oh, Gary, we so should we'll interview. It. We should also mention. Speaking of artwork and graphics, uh, anybody who has a martial arts gym out there, or, or anything that you might need some some custom graphics work done, uh, our buddy Taylor McMillan does outstanding work. There's uh, contact information on the website. He's done a lot for us. Uh, and some some of his uh, past work is on there as well. Go to the website. I think it's under. You can find it if you just search on our website for logos. He'll pop right up. Send the guy an email. He's a purple belt. He trains all the time. He uh, does graphics for a living, and uh, we'd love to send him a little, little bit of business. That'd be great. And on top of that, he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Absolutely. So definitely. If you need something, uh, get a hold of Taylor. He'll take care of you. Yeah, and then he always lets me know when somebody gets a hold of him and makes him feel good. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, guys. So it's been a fun week. Next week, Draculino. Good times. Tune in next week. And as always, we appreciate you listening. And stay sweaty, my friends. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.
Gary's a nice guy, and everybody seems to like him that knows him, so he's popular enough, I think. Uh, Gary? Yes, Byron? Let me think of what I was going to say real quick here, because <laughs> I totally uh, went blank on this one. Um, what was I going to say? I don't have a clue. I'm sure it was... Oh, I uh, almost had it. 